I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. This is an October episode. We are in Respect Life Month. It's uh, it's an exciting time of year for, for pro-lifers, for all of us Catholics who believe that that life is sacred from the very first moment of conception. So along those lines, my guest today is Debbie Pease. Debbie is the new president of South Dakota Right to Life, and I'm going to let her uh, tell you a little bit about herself. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thank you, Chris. It's a joy to be here. Well, um, I'm... Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> no, please. Why don't you just start by, you know, I know a lot about you. We've been been friends for the last couple of years as we've gotten to know each other up in the state capitol in Pierre and elsewhere. Um, but for our listeners who don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, my husband and I uh, have been raising our nine kids on a little acreage outside of Centerville, South Dakota. So the southeast part of the state. And since about the year 2000, I've got involved in different legislative things. I started with home birth and midwives, and then God used that to get me um, working more for the pro-life movement. I have always been very pro-life, and one of the things when I was working on the, the midwife issues is my mom was like, that's all well and fine, but I wish you would do more with pro-life. <laughs> and so... <laughs> In 2013, I got a call from the president, Dan Hargraves of South Dakota Right to Life, and they were looking for a lobbyist. And um, that, so I have been working with South Dakota Right to Life really closely since 2013. Um, a couple years ago, we got a new executive director, um, Dale Barcher, who was wonderful, and I was able to step back and uh, do my work on the board and so i've been the vice chair i think for the last four years and then yeah at our convention a couple weeks ago i was elected as the president so it's a great honor and very humbling we have such an amazing team of people and yeah we're just working every day to promote a culture of life Congratulations on the election. You want to tell us a little bit about, for, for listeners that have never encountered the work of South Dakota Right to Life before, can you just tell us a little bit about the organization and how it's structured and how it operates? Sure. So South Dakota Right to Life is part of the National Right to Life Committee. They have an affiliate in all 50 states. Um, so we are under their umbrella we also have 40 local chapters around this the state so we're a large organization we send out um, newsletters to 16,000 households around the state and we are just getting ready to celebrate our 50th anniversary as an organization south dakota right to life was founded in 1971 by a couple of um, pro-life champions kitty worst and ruth karim and so I just, I'm so honored to be following in their footsteps. We've just had, had a wonderful history of fighting for life in South Dakota. That's uh, it's beautiful. And I, one thing I learned about National Right to Life just a couple of years ago, because I obviously I do, do my work uh, on behalf of the bishops of South Dakota. But one thing I learned about National Right to Life is that it, it actually was an organization started by the National Bishops Conference. 
1967. So they kind of, you know, put in the seed money and hired some people and, and kind of, you know, uh, helped them get off the ground. And then I think it was um, after, either right after or right before Roe versus Wade, it was sort of uh, set free, so to speak, um, cut mm-hmm. loose and said, okay, you've, you've got your feet under you, go forth and do great things. So there's, there's a lot, um, there's a lot there that we Catholics can just be proud of in, yes. you know, as I see that the awesome work that your organization does, not that um, bishops get to take credit for that, but to just know that there was um, sort of a, uh, the insight of a shepherd um, at, at the beginning. But it kind of raises a question too, that I think can be confusing for maybe some people that have never really, maybe weren't raised in like a really explicitly pro-life home or, or maybe just sort of um, viewing the pro-life movement through the lens of like New York Times headlines or, or, or the media. It's this question of, isn't it just like a religious movement? Is, is, so the question I guess is, is South Dakota Right to Life a religious group? You have to be religious to be a member. No, you don't have to be religious. Will anybody that wants to work with us on life issues is welcome. Doesn't matter what party you're from. If you are part of a religion or you're not part of a religion, yeah, we'll welcome anybody who wants to fight for life. Well, that, thank you for making that point so clearly too, because I think there is there's confusion out there about it, and even like in some of the legal um, the legal strategy involved. Sometimes, I mean, I know national right to life from the very, very beginning has been very clear. This is, we're not talking about like a religious freedom issue. This isn't, you know, this is a human right. Absolutely. Um, The right, the right to be born is, this is a human right that's, that's for everybody. So this isn't like a narrowly religious approach that we we take to the issue. Yeah. Um, One thing that I know South Dakota right to life just pays really, really close attention to um, and actually has done really great work kind of um, working on our state statutes to provide for this, but our annual abortion report that is put out by the Department of Health. Um, I just just noticed, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, the Charlotte Lozier Institute is sort of a, a national pro-life uh, think tank. They do research and education, and they, they published a very nice summary of the South Dakota abortion report um, from 2019 numbers, the report was just finalized in September. Um, and I want to I want to read something from the Charlotte Lozier summary, and then just maybe get your thoughts or, or any comment you have. What they what they what they say, based on the South Dakota reports, there were 414 abortions reported in South Dakota in 2019. This was an increase of eight percent from the unusually low 382 abortions in 2018 but still lower than the 2017 total. Chemical abortions demonstrated little change, increasing by just five abortions, that's 4%, from 136 in 2018 to 141 in 2019. In 2019, chemical abortions made up 34% of all abortions in South Dakota. Charlotte Lozier Institute estimates that South Dakota's abortion rate increased from the year before, but was still extremely low at 2.6 abortions per 1,000 women ages 15 to 44. South Dakota's 2019 abortion report uh, is marked as provisional numbers may be updated in the future. What, when, when these reports come out, Debbie, you know, how are these reports important um, to the work of South Dakota Right to Life and 
And is there any, any, any insights to be gleaned from, from the 2019 report? Um, the, the reports are really important, um, but not so much on a year-to-year -year basis, but we were looking at the trends. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when we looked at this and we saw, oh, abortions went up a little bit, but you look at the trend, and this is the second lowest number since they've been taking these statistics. So we're still on a downward trend. Mm -hmm. and, and when you look at that statistic, often when you have a huge drop, the next couple of years might go up a little bit, and then they mm -hmm. go way down, you know. Mm -hmm. so, so this is kind of following a trend of abortions going way down. Um, it, it, it highlights chemical abortions too. Can you, for, for folks that have never really processed what that term means, can you briefly explain what a chemical abortion is? Yeah, a chemical abortion is when you take medication. So there's, the, the other type is a surgical abortion where they're yep. going in, in with interest instruments and scraping out the uterus and pulling parts out. It's the medical abortion, they're gonna take a pill that's going to block the progesterone and basically starve the baby. And then a couple of days later, they follow up with another pill that causes contractions. So the baby is expelled. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking that the trend nationwide is that these medical abortions are going up and we're seeing, you know, black market pills being sold and, and, and in South Dakota, a medical abortion, they need to go through the exact same informed consent process that they would for a surgical abortion. So they still need to go into the clinic and talk with the doctor before they ever start to start on this path to a medical abortion. And I want to talk about informed consent in just a minute here, but to kind of close the loop on the, the chemical abortions or, or medication abortions, it's not medication, obviously, that's maybe a misnomer. Medications <laughs> heal people. Right. Right. Um, so a chemical abortion is, is probably the better term, but 34% of all abortions in South Dakota. And is it, is it fair to say that, that one of the reasons that's concerning um, for South Dakota is because we're such a rural state, you know, that may be kind of a, an angle of attack for the pro-abortion industry to, to target South Dakota women is maybe, you know, through the mail or this would be something, golly, if, if they didn't have to sort of meet a physician in person, even, you know, in some rural states, maybe even like tele, you know, teleconnect with an abortion provider. Um, well, and we've just found that it's very important to protect women from this. Um, our law is very clear that you cannot do telemedicine when it comes to abortion. Um, but if, if you've watched the movie Unplanned, it portrays very well how awful this procedure can be. And, and even in South Dakota, they get the first bill, pill in the clinic, but then they send them home with the second pill. And they are on their own in their own home going through this with no support at all. So it's very troubling. I'm glad to see that the, the chemical abortions have not been on the rise in South Dakota. I was looking up some of the numbers. We were actually at 47% chemical abortions in 2017. Oh, so we're going so, in the right direction maybe. Yeah, we yeah. really are. And, That's I, awesome. and I'm not sure why that is, mm -hmm. but I'm glad to see that. Well, a minute ago, you mentioned our informed consent process, and that's something that the Charlotte Lozier Institute sort of highlights 
in its, in its uh, report on South Dakota last month, it says South Dakota's informed consent process is one of the strongest in the country. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Because there are some real like technical aspects in the law concerning informed consent. So maybe, I guess there are two questions. One, like what is the strategy? Like why is it important? But then like also what are some of the technical aspects of how it functions? So the reason for the informed consent, I mean, it's twofold. It's, it's to make sure that a woman really understands what's going on. And we want to make sure that she knows there are other options as well. Mm-hmm. The second part is, is to figure out, is this woman doing this of her own volition or is she being coerced into it? And we know that many, many women come back later and say, I was forced to get that abortion. So we want a really detailed screening process so that we can screen out folks that are being forced because they're much more likely to have emotional problems later. Um, So anyway, and the informed consent process, um, we've passed some laws like 2011 is when we got the 72 hour wait period. We were the first state to pass that and other states have followed, but that is really key. So the woman comes in, gets all the information and then she needs to wait for 72 hours before she comes back and has the abortion. Um, let's see, in our last one, I think the last page of the report, you can see how many women started the informed consent process. So in 2019, it was 492. 414 went through with the abortion process. So that's about 16% who started but did not go on and have an abortion. And, and we're looking, so, so those you could say are 72 babies, lives that were saved probably because of this informed consent process and that there was that waiting period and all that information given. And the other thing that, that we, and we can talk about some of the 2019, because 2019 was a big year for pro-life legislation in South Dakota, but one of the things that, that started, I think it went into effect on July 1st, 2019, is that um, all women in South Dakota who sought an abortion were offered the opportunity to listen to their baby's heartbeats. Yes. Um, and we have in the past that they had to be offered the chance to view the sonogram. Yeah. So in 2019, it, it offered the, the heartbeat piece. Okay. So they could already see the sonogram, but this added the heartbeat. And it, mm-hmm. it says, um, I understand that 72 women took advantage of the opportunity to listen to the heartbeat right. in 2019, which is actually pretty close to the number of women who didn't end up going through with, with the abortion. Yes. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe a bit of encouragement to those women that were already just sort of um, had some interior wrestling and, right. and, and our laws really gave them an opportunity to, to be accompanied in that wrestling. One thing, kind of stepping back to, the, to some of the legal strategy, because there's this really beautiful um, personal accompaniment aspect of just wanting to like uh, accompany women as they're like at this really difficult moment and helping them really make a decision that has uh, with, with with really good information, one of the things that that the informed consent process um, shares with them is that um, you know the, the child you're carrying is a, is a whole separate, unique, living human being. 
and that you have a, a relationship with a human being and that relationship is protected by law. So I'm going to geek out as a lawyer for just a minute here. Uh, stop me if I, if the train leaves the tracks, but so there's this relationship between a mother and a child that is just so it's not just sacred, like within nature, like it's one of the most profoundly intimate relationships uh, of all human existence, but our, our law recognizes them. So actually the, the lawyer uh, who's kind of been um, taking through part of the, the informed consent, part of it is, is challenged in court and has been litigated for several years now. It's still kind of tied up in litigation. But one of the, the really important legal um, factors that is coming into play is before a woman makes a decision to have an abortion, there's actually a prior decision. And the prior decision is, do I want a relationship? with this child, yes or no. And that's in the legal briefings, they call that the social question. Planned Parenthood employees, physicians have um, admitted that they have, that they don't have any um, expertise. They're, they're medical, they, they're just doing the medical piece. They don't have any expertise in the social question. And if, if the answer is yes, I would like to terminate the relationship, then there are actually a couple different pathways in the law to do that abortion, very sadly, but there's also adoption. That's the second pathway. In an adoption proceeding, there are all sorts of protections for the mother, where there's a waiting period, there's you know legal counsel that's required. So it's that's kind of the, the to put some kind of legal flesh on the on the theory too is when a when a woman wants to sever her relationship with her child, the law takes that very, very seriously. Um, so anyhow, I'll I'll stop geeking out. Uh, no, that's but, that's really good. And if I'm thinking that the waiting period for adoption isn't that like 15 days or something like that. It's yeah. You can't even you have to um, can't even file a petition between before five days after the, the child is born, and then there are yeah. It's it's a very it's a very lengthy. Everybody needs a lawyer, you know, providing them counsel. It's a very lengthy process with a lot of safeguards for both mother and child. Mm-hmm. So, um, we've, we've mentioned a couple of times, uh, the 2019, like some of the things that happened in, in 2019, just even legally, that was a big year legislatively. I recall from being up in the Capitol, um, do you want to maybe just kind of go through, we've got about, I don't know, eight or 10 minutes left here. What are some of the bills that got passed in 2019? I think um, these are important just because, um, there's, they're just like, they can be little things, but the nuts and bolts are really important. Right, right. So there were six bills and two resolution, resolutions that year that South Dakota Right to Life was involved in, and all of them passed. So, yeah, that was a really, That's that a, good was a really good average. year. Yeah, good batting <laughs> yeah. average. That doesn't always happen. Um, uh, the first bill was Senate Bill 72. And that was the bill that the governor's office took the lead on. And that was to make sure that the abortion providers were using the informed consent paperwork from the state because Planned Parent had their own and they weren't really following the rules. <laughs> they, yeah. were, they were putting in a lot of their own language. So this cleaned that up and required them to use the state's form and they redid the form and it's really good. Um, so that was a big one. 
Um, then there was Senate Bill 85, and that moved the date when the Department of Health had to have the the statistics out for abortion. Yeah. Before that, it was November 15th. Before the November 15th date, we often wouldn't get it, you know, till January the next year. So having it in July and um, the Department of Health has just been wonderful having that report out for us by July 1st. And many other states do that as well. And that was kind of our argument. And they said, well, yes, we could do that, too. That allows us to have those statistics when we go out to the fairs and stuff. And, and that's when you're engaging with a lot of uh, moms yes. and pops and kind of just normal citizens. Yeah. Right. So it just gives us the t statistics from the year before and, and helps us report to people what's going on in South Dakota. Wonderful. Um, 1177 is the heartbeat bill that we talked about that, yeah. you know, offers the woman the opportunity to hear the heartbeat if she wants to. Yeah. We, um, we don't want to coerce women into things that they don't want to. We're about anti-coercion. <laughs> yeah. So there was, I mean, that was, that was a big decision that the legislators had to make. You know, yeah. do we want to make this mandatory? Some states do. And ultimately the legislature decided to keep it voluntary, offer it, yeah. make yeah. it available. All right, 1190, well, that was the reporting requirements. 1193 um, said that it, it criminalized abortion as a fetal homicide. So if you force somebody to get an abortion, you can be charged for fetal homicide. It, it criminalized the, the coercion. The coercion, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, in South Dakota, we don't have any laws that go after the woman. We go after the abortionist or the person that is co coercing the woman. I, I think that's great. We don't want to put women yeah. in jail. You know? No, we don't. <laughs> the, often the other side likes to think that we're victimizing women, but yeah. we see the woman as a victim that needs protection. Yeah. All right. Is um, there one more? There were, there were a couple of resolutions, too. There was a couple of resolutions. Um, that was the year that New York had passed mm. the bill that legalized abortion right up to birth. Yeah. And yeah. so there was a resolution denouncing that and asking for a day of fasting and prayer. And then there was another one um, calling for the Congress and the president to immediately defund Planned Parenthood. How so, important, yeah. I mean, and that's a, that's a great, great list and a great batting average to get all those through. You know, what would you say to somebody who's like, well, you know, we're always talking about this here. There's always this little bill or that little bill, or it's just like, um, you know, what would you say to somebody that's maybe getting a bit of fatigue from always seeing these bills come through? Is it is it actually important that we're that we're kind of you know bringing maybe even little small bills like this, that are tweaking a form or so on and so forth? Yeah, it's important to keep this issue front and center, and and I mean the main way that we're going to change the hearts and minds of our citizens is education yeah. and bringing these. These smaller bills, it's an incremental approach, and it's it, hopefully we're moving the needle. I mean, it really looks like we are with the fewer and fewer abortions in South Dakota. Um, but w it's not enough just to pass a law that bans all abortions. We have to bring the people with. Yeah. We have to change hearts and minds so that abortion becomes not only illegal, but unthinkable. That's a beautiful way to put it, too. And 
you know, it, it, just the importance of kind of keeping the issue in front of people. Sometimes we forget in the national discourse, you know, we, we talk a lot about Roe versus Wade, but we forget like if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it just comes back to the states. It becomes a state's issue. Um, that's some, something even like the bishops, the national bishops in there, like um, they put out a, like a voting uh, letter uh, every every couple of years, but they've really emphasized that not only is abortion a preeminent priority for them because it it attacks life itself, and that's not to say that other issues aren't important too, but it's uh, abortion is a is, is has a particular severity to the injustice. What they've they've really pointed out also that our Supreme Court may allow greater latitude for state laws in the future, so we, that's something we need to be be cognizant of and thinking about we've we've got we've got a couple of minutes left and i one thing that you wanted to really get the word out and I maybe mean, we could talk about it now is the essay contest for south dakota right to life can you tell us a little bit about what this essay contest is and who might be interested so the youth essay contest is for students in seventh through twelfth grade and they write a 300 to five 500 word essay on why i am pro-life Mm. And um, we give $1,000 in prizes as a motivation, but once we get kids engaged and really thinking of this topic and doing some research, it really gets them fired up about it. Mm. You know, it's, it's something that is probably on the periphery of their minds, but when they start researching to write a paper, they learn a lot. And we've had some amazing essays come through. We've, I mean, the last couple of years, we, we've had over 200 essays come in. And the National Right to Life also has an essay contest. And last year, we were just blown away. Of the six awards they gave, three of them went to South Dakota students. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. So, I just, my, I, I am a teacher. I, I taught in the public schools for four years, and then I stayed home and have educated my own kids. And so, I have the heart of a teacher, and I just, I love this, this contest because mm. it really gets kids thinking. Yes. And there's more information on our website, sdrighttolife.org. Look under the more tab and you can see the, just even if you, if you don't want to write an essay, if you want to see the essays from the past, we have our last year's winners. We give five, five prizes in each division. So seven to nine and 10 to 12. And okay. the rules are real simple. You write an essay and, and you email it to the contact information, which is me. I've been coordinating it for the last three years. So, okay. so <laughs> it's my baby. So, so it's junior high and high school, three to 500 words. There's prize money involved. They go to sdrighttolife.org to kind of find yes. more information in the contact and the deadline. The deadline is November 1st. So you still have a few weeks to get that in. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, we've got a couple of weeks, kids. Uh, a great get, thing to do, you know, yeah. during pro-life month. That's right. Respect life month. Let's get to work. Uh, and Hey, maybe you'll maybe even like make a little, uh, make a little bait money or college money or whatever. So that's, that's, that's great. Um, Debbie, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the program. It was a delight to, to visit with you and I look forward to um, just continuing to, I don't know, do, do the little things I can to partner with you and your organization and fighting for life in South Dakota. Thanks for, thanks for joining. Thank you so much, Chris. It's been my pleasure. 
And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. As always, don't hesitate to reach out, sdcatholicconference.org. Click contact us. Until next time, live well. Thank you.